If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Strictly Sports. Joined here with CJ and Steven. We actually have some big news here today for FAU football. FAU got their first four-star commit from high school, and it's actually a quarterback, Shador Sanders, son of NFL Hall of Famer Deion Sanders. This is a humongous deal. Now, we need to stress this is just a verbal commitment as of now. Nothing has been signed on a contract. Uh, He hasn't met with FAU in person yet, but all signs are pointing to FAU getting a four-star recruit at quarterback. Shador Sanders is one of the most highly touted QB prospects out there, and he wanted to come to FAU. First of all, I just need to send out props. Willie Taggart, not just Willie Taggart, but his coaching staff has done a tremendous job at recruiting in just this short time that they've taken over for Lane Kiffin, uh, and this is just proving it, getting a guy like Shador Sanders. They've already gotten Michael Irvin's kid to come over. They have like I took a I retweeted on Twitter, but they have I think five, six, seven uh, legacy kids of NFL players on their team. Not to even mention Willie Taggart's kid is also on the team. So, bottom line, this is amazing news for FAU. Even if Sanders doesn't even come to FAU, it still shows that someone like him can consider FAU as a legitimate option to come and expand their football careers. I'll pass it off to you, CJ. What are you thinking? What was your first reaction when you saw Shador uh, sign with FAU? So to be honest, I've been a little, um, I've been a little out of the loop after being in Michigan for a few weeks, kind of off the grid, Northern Michigan. God only knows what's going on up there, but it ain't sports. So um, <laughs> I was a little um, surprised that yesterday a couple of my friends were like, oh, um, Deion Sanders' kid is considering FAU, and it's kind of gone down to a couple schools in FAU. And I was like, holy cow, okay, cool. And then he tweeted this graphic of, of all the schools, and I was like, it's FAU, and then it's like Bama, LSU, Louisville, Florida State, Clemson, like God only knows, like, like unreal schools. And I'm like, not that it's not impossible, but I was like, this is highly doubtful that he, you know – that he picks. So I was like, you know what, I guess I'll just wait around for six 30, see what happens. Maybe he did one of those things at the table where he was going to have the hats out and just pick one. Um, but what happened was, is Willie Taggart a couple minutes before the decision had tweeted something, uh, like a eyes emoji, fire emoji, what, you know, and, and whatnot. And that's when I was like, okay, now I got to really pay attention to this. And then, you know, he ended up committing to or verbally committing to FAU and he posted a really awesome, um, a really awesome video where Tom Brady, Brett Favre, a couple of rappers were in there, a um, couple other Hall of Fame uh, NFL players and, and his trainers and whatnot asking where he's going to go. I thought it was really awesome. And then at the end, he just expressed how it was a priority of his to play for a, a black head coach and, and you know, Willie Taggart uh, at, at FAU. You know, we have that. And, um, you know, it's just it's really good for FAU. And I guess my immediate thoughts would be, you know, if it, if this is where it starts, you know, where FAU can routinely get a four star every year or two, it starts here, and I think it only goes it only goes higher. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think this this starts a really great trend for FAU. Um, he's going to – the name, you know, Sanders there, I mean, his dad, primetime. I mean, geez, you start getting these kind of caliber athletes and recruits to come into your school, you're going to set a trend here. And I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with, you know, FAU being successful out in the field. I mean, they were on national TV. I keep harping it. They beat the brakes off SMU, and, and people saw that this team can really – can really show that they can win on the big stage and, and they're getting TV deals and all this stuff. But the thing that impresses me about this commitment is, you know, some of the teams that he had offered uh, to him, Alabama, Florida, Louisville, you know, you go down the list, LSU, Michigan, South Carolina, Tennessee. These are big schools where, you know, he could have said, hey, I'm going to Florida, who's, you know, losing Kyle Trask after this year. If they play, if they don't, if they play some games, and obviously he'll he'll be done. Is this grad uh, last year of grad transfer, or fifth year, I should say? Um, so Florida was one that I, if he, that was one where it, that kind of scared me because that's an opening coming there for for a school that might need a QB. But coming to FAU, it's huge for the school, and you know, you know, he'll be able to play Florida game one if uh, he comes here in uh, 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's also important to note though. Uh, real quick that as fans let's it's it's good to get carried away with this but we should also still remember that we definitely have the conference's best quarterback in Chris Rosen and a guy that Fox Sports has even included on graphics as one of the best returning QBs this season in college football and 20 minutes ago he was just added to the Davey O'Brien award preseason watch list which Joe wow. Burrow won that award last year. So he is up for uh, one of the guys to watch for the nation's top passer in, in the country. So for me, what I think is is the most logical thing to think about is we got to see where Chris Robeson, how pr- Chris Robeson plays this year. Now, with the possibility of not playing Minnesota and USF, his stats are just going to be incredible because we're just playing QC teams and he's just going to rip through them. So then, you know, going into his technically his fifth year, but his senior year, that's when Sanders would be on campus and Willie Tiger Jr. are on campus and they're on the death chart. And that's when Chris Robeson needs to cement, like, I'm, I, I got a, another year. This is going to be my job for another year. But anyway, what I just said to a few friends, um, Big Z, Zach Jacoby, uh, that we are um, loaded at quarterback and this is a good thing, that we have so much competition on the field. Yeah, no, not only that, but FAU's deep at running back. Uh, and not to even mention, we forgot to mention this at the lead, but Alexis Leroy is coming back as well. He was one of FAU's best defenders. So that was great news to hear yesterday. Um, and, and it's just, again, it's just great to see in total for FAU getting all of these people to come to this school to show that FAU is a legitimate place to go. Um, and yeah, I, I really do. You know, And we, we talked about this as well. FAU is still not favored to win the Conference USA, even though they won it last year. Do you think people are going to start changing their minds about that now that FAU is getting all these great recruitments during this uh, in between the seasons? Um, I mean, there could be a, a change of uh, a change of heart with some fans. You know, seeing how good of a recruiter Willie Taggart is bringing these guys in and. You know, this past offseason, they got wide receiver JT Chase from Clemson to Marcus Adams from Florida State. You're getting these big time transfers from these schools. Michael Irvin's kid. Yeah. Tight end wide receiver. 
you go down the list, and I think I think people are just haters of FAU. People don't really want to buy into the fact that this school is taking off, and they're accomplishing a lot in a short amount of time. Meanwhile, Florida State's going on the down the the decline. Miami's just God knows what's going on down there. You know, getting beat by FAU last year. Um, so FAU's you know on the rise, and I just think people don't want to buy into the fact that they can be legit in the next couple of years and really be. Uh, you know, a national, you know, getting some really some steam there, like UCF did uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Not- um, I, I think what what's happening is people are really uh, like overcompensating the fact that FAU definitely lost uh, some key players on defense, and of course lost the nation's best tight end, Harrison Bryant, to you know to the draft. So I I just. I don't think enough people really are per se experts of Conference USA, and as as students of FAU and people that routinely watch Conference USA, I think it's pretty easy to say that FAU in should be, if not the second favorite, the favorite to to win the conference. And I, like, if I'm a betting man, there's no way that I'm putting money at the beginning of the season to win the conference on anyone other than FAU. And if Vegas has them at high odds, then that's a great value pick. You put it on and you watch your money grow. So that's, that's the way I see it. But I'd rather be an underdog kind of guy anyway. I mean, I I don't think that it's per se, like as fun to go into the season as the for sure favorite, you know? So that's my, yeah. Like last, last season, last season, they were not favored. I don't, I believe they weren't favored to win the conference, were they? And then, they go out and just ran through the whole conference. And the year we won the conference, and the, and the next year after, we went five and seven. And it, we, it was a big letdown. So I'd rather be, you know, look for something to work on and, and build a bat, like prove people wrong. And then and you do it, and it feels much more, it, you're more accomplished than, I, you know, saying, hey, we're the we're the, the clear favorites. And then it just happens. So I'd rather be the underdog, like you said, and really prove people wrong. And, go back to back here and win, you know, three out of four years and show uh, show that FAU can do it again. Well, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, we have someone on the recruitment team for FAU in our in our group chat. Uh, Colby Guy, great guy. I mean, he's, he's really funny. He's a good guy. But uh, last night he was trying to recruit Melvin Jordan to FAU. And uh, FAU football fan put it on their Twitter. Colby Guy said in a DM conversation, he said, if we land Melvin Jordan – I will run around FAU in my underwear. On my mother, I'll do it. Screenshot that and save it for next year. And then Melvin Jordan quoted the, quoted the tweet, and he, he got laughing, crying emojis, and he said, he on X Games mode. So, honestly, if Melvin Jordan comes to this school, I'm not expecting Colby Guy to do that, but, hey, if, if Melvin's re- responding to something like that, maybe he's actually interested in FAU, and we can get him, too. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I- Sorry, Steve, go ahead. No, you're good. No, no, continue. Oh, no. well, I mean, for me, like, not to get into a political discussion, I do think, like, you know, the words of, of Shadur Sanders yesterday saying, um, you know, I, with today, with everything going on in America today, it was important for me to play for an African-American head coach. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of that um, in college football because, to be completely honest, like, these Southern coaches, like Dabo Sweeney and – and uh, what's his name over at Oklahoma State? Is that Gundy? Is that, uh, is yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy over at Oklahoma State. And, and, you know, these southern schools have been in the press for all the negative reasons at the moment. 
and they're all associated with things that Southern coaches have said on the coaching staff and, and coaches having to pick up pieces that they have uh, dropped kind of a while ago and more and more stories are coming out. So, you know, I, you know at the moment, I you know, I think FAU has probably one of, if you know, if not the best G5 recruiter at the moment in, in Willie. So I don't think that we're going to stop seeing high-profile commits that are within on G5, P5 border uh, um, stop recruiting. I, I think it's going to keep going. So, And uh, real quick here, um, I pulled up a tweet from JT Chase, uh, the wide receiver from Clemson, when he committed to – or that he was going to come transfer. He said, I feel like I can make a name for myself at FAU and be a leader one day there and get that school in the right place. And, you know, and Sanders also said last time to recruiting, I want to make right my own legacy. The, tr- the trend here is I think these guys feel like they can come to FAU and really make a mark and, and really change the culture of the school and really just keep the winning culture going. And that's a good thing. And, and getting these kids to buy in and saying, hey, we can change this program. We can really just – we can start a dynasty here and really make things happen. And, you know, you change conferences one day, a couple of years, who knows what happens. And, you know, the sky's the limit for this school. And it's just really exciting. I can't, you know, hammer it home enough. You know, the great things Willie Taggart has done and just not Willie Taggart, you know, Clint Trickett as well. I was on the coaching staff. He recruited Sanders as well with Raymond Woody. Um, another, another piece of that. So it's a whole, you know, it's a team. It's a whole teamwork process with and all the guys putting the hard work in to get these guys to come to the school and play. Yeah. So you know, shifting to the bigger, larger uh, landscape of college football this year. Since our last pod, there's a bunch of announcement announcements from a bunch of different conferences that they're going to only play in conference games this year. So that we alluded to, uh, to it earlier. FAU not going to play Minnesota anymore. Probably not going to play USF anymore. Which obviously would have been the two biggest games for FAU this season. But aside from FAU, you know, this could create a a lot of different scenarios because, you know, when you're talking about the playoffs and there's been a lot of rumors now that they might extend the playoffs this this year because of this. And by the way, we all knew the playoffs were being extended anyway. Why not just try it out this year, expose it to people, show people if this is better or not better. But anyway, you know, how are you going to value a season when you look at an Ohio State and they're only playing Big Ten teams? You look at Bama, they're only playing the SEC. That might not be as complete of a judgment to give to these teams as it would be if they were playing cross-conference. So personally, I'm in favor of let's do this expanded playoff. Um, But what are your guys' thoughts on, you know, only uh, in-conference games this year? And do you think that could lead to the playoffs being expanded? Uh, CJ, you're on mute. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think that not playing um, out of conference for schools like Alabama and Ohio State really matters. You got to understand that like Ohio State's rivalry week game, like their big rivalry is Big Ten teams, Michigan, uh, you know, Wisconsin. Like those are their big rivalry teams. Like they're not necessarily playing out of conference for a rivalry like UF. They're playing they, – they play um, FSU uh, every year, week 12. And, you know, you never know with FSU. They could have a year where they're up and they're ranked at, at the end and that's going to be a, t- a close game or or it could be vice versa, whatever it may be. You know, I, I think they're, I think they're just going to limit travel to like a FAU going to Minnesota. That's a pretty, that's a pretty large uh, 
trek to, to go to Minnesota. That's something that kind of, you know, as an out-of-conference game, you knew that was going to be not scheduled. But Tampa's two hours up the road, two and a half hours up the road from, from FAU. I think we're going to see the like those kind of games actually stay scheduled. I hope. And I think that you I think you're going to see like the UF FSU game is going to stay. I mean, that's like they just take a bus and they go over there. It's not like it's, you know, they're traveling to freaking California. Um, but in terms of the college football playoff, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I, you, you don't see out of conference games like actually completely change the college football playoff landscape. It's about what you do in your conference, because what you're looking at is SEC teams and Big Ten teams and then the occasional Pac-12 or, or a Big 12 like Oklahoma, their big games are in-conference anyway. Like, your out-of-conference games are either a cupcake game or you're playing a you know a semi-good out-of-conference team and it's at a neutral site is what it is. And those teams always take care of business anyway. So I think you're not going to really see any crazy, like, earth-shattering, like, repercussions because they're not playing out-of-conference games. I think it's going to be the same kind of stuff. I think it hurts teams more on FAU's, you know, on FAU's level. You know, FAU goes out and plays Minnesota, USF. You know, you win those two games, win your conference, and you're in a big New Year's Six Bowl. You're undefeated. You have two really quality, you know, out-of-conference wins. I think that really hurts teams like that. And But at the end of the day, you look at the college football playoff, you know, the, the best four teams at the end of the day, you they have that signature win. I mean, this year you had Ohio State, Oregon coming out. You had Alabama, USC, Tennessee, and Oklahoma. So those were some big games for even the teams in those big schools of like the SEC, Big Ten. You win that game, and then you go and you go in your conference and lose one. It's not the end of the end of the world. But now you're sitting here only playing conference games. You got to really almost win out. You can't. There's no room for error. Um, so I really think it kind of changed changes the dynamic a little bit because you do have those games that can change a whole season for some of these programs. Now it opens the door for, you know, an expanded playoff, like Jacob said. And I think you can go every conference winner you in a big, in a big tournament, single elimination. So let's, however many conferences there is there, they want to qualify into it. You know, FAU, let's say FAU wins the, their conference. It's a 16 seed versus a two or a one seed. Who knows? But it could be exciting. It's an experiment uh, that they could do this year um, and see if it works out. I really think it could be a good thing for uh, college football. Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of agree with both of you because, yes, for the bigger teams, the out-of-conference games don't really matter, but it's for those lower-level teams that really, you know, they need those out-of-conference games, not just for, their, you know, to play those teams and have competition, but it's a huge financial investment for these teams. I mean, FAU is going to lose, I think it was a million dollars, uh, or more for not playing Minnesota. So that's a big deal financially for the athletic departments. Um, but with the way that they view the college football playoffs, you know, when everyone votes on who the four teams is, they aren't really focusing on those out-of-conference games. It's much more in-conference focused. Um, but I think it's it's bigger for Pac-12 and Big 12 than it is for SEC Big 10, because SEC and Big 10, those are the most stacked conferences by far. So you're always going to get big games with really high competition, but if you're in the Pac-12, Big 12, you kind of need a win against a Big 10 or an SEC team to really have yourself be taken seriously. Because how often do we see those Pac-12, Big 12 teams get in? I mean, I know Oklahoma gets in. The only reason they get in is because they go undefeated. If they had one loss, you're not going to see Oklahoma in there. If there's not an undefeated Pac-12 team, 
you're not going to see a Pac-12 team in the playoffs. So I think it goes both ways. Um, but like you said, CJ, I don't think it's going to be some earth-shattering you know, thing where we're not going to see these out-of-conference games. It's still going to be. You're still going to see LSU and Alabama and Florida battle, and Georgia, really. Georgia, by the way, very underrated team. They're going to be battling for the SEC. They were going to do that anyway. Big Ten, same thing. You're going to have those same teams at the top. So, yeah, it's not really earth-shattering. Um, but I wanted to bring something else up, and we were going to have Jensen Jennings on today, the sports editor of the University Press. He'll be on next pod to fully explain this article. Um, but he was talking about how some of these financial commitments with these games, they're really going to cause some athletic departments to not be able to spend as much money as maybe they were planning to. And he kind of proposed the idea, are we going to see some conference mergers coming up in the future? And in his article, he proposed, are we going to get a Conference USA Sunbelt merger because basically what he was saying is travel is less money. Hold on, guys. Sorry. My TV turned on. Uh, 20 minutes. Yeah just, yeah, just remember where to cut that out. Yeah. yeah and uh, uh, what was I saying? And he's basically saying, you know, less travel. When you go to those, you know, when if you merge the Sun Belt and the Conference USA, instead of FAU, for instance, having to go all the way to El Paso, now they're farthest. I forget where he said their farthest trip is, but it's a hell of a lot closer than that. So, do you think we're going to see some of these lower-level conferences start to merge? Yeah, I mean, I could see it happening if you know, in these smaller, um, in these conferences like Conference USA, you know, maybe um, even the Mountain West out there with Boise State and them. I don't know who they would merge with, but if it's to save some of these conferences from you know having to cut out their, you know, bar- we saw Stanford cut out, you know, eleven of their thirty-six varsity sports, so. It's going to change dynamics in in a lot of these uh, sports athletic departments, but I'm not opposed to it. It adds more, it adds a comp, other competition you haven't seen in past years. You know, FAU could potentially play App State. You know, who knows? Like, it can create a dynamic where you playing you're playing a full slate of games and and you're traveling less. So it's very interesting to me to 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 think of that, and it could open the door for you know future scheduling and and whatnot for these other schools. Yeah, I, I agree with what Steve said. Um, I think it's, but I think it would be another. If this were to happen, it would be another way that uh, FAU could prove that like they're they can get it done outside of conference USA, play other teams in G five, and be like get us into the the best G five conference there is, which is the AAC. So I, you know, I welcome that opportunity. And FAU, the players in the athletic department and whatnot, in my opinion, should be welcoming that potential opportunity. So. You know, we'll see what happens with that, but I think it would be good for financial revenue. I think it would be good for exposure outside of Conference USA. I think it'd be good for exposure to recruits as well that could be potentially looking at other G5 programs that we would be playing. So, and that, you know, as as long as FAU can can get their name elsewhere and beat other teams, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and not just football too, but FAU baseball would benefit a lot too because. They've been pretty damn good at baseball for a long time, and they deserve to be playing much better opponents on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, you hit that around the head with baseball. You know, they've been struggling to get you know national recognition in the top twenty-five polls in previous years, and it's been disappointing when they're winning forty-plus games a year, and they're really not getting the respect they deserve. They're last year before COVID hit. You know, they played Florida, Florida State, Texas Tech. Miami, all top five teams in the country, and obviously we we took one from Miami at the end, and 
were really bad at an eye. Everyone's stuck on the Ole Miss, uh, the, the stereotypical teams. So, yeah, that really does help FAU's baseball program as a whole, and I would love to see it. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, CJ, you've been waiting for this. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor here. There's been a bunch of soccer. MLS just got back last week. Premier League is in the thick of things. Same thing with La Liga. Uh, what's going on in the soccer world right now? So La Liga is pretty much like all but decided. Um, Real Madrid just needs to win one more game, and then Barcelona will come in second place. So Real Madrid played really well when Project Restart came back, and Barcelona dropped some points, so Real Madrid will probably be winning La Liga. Um, so not much really going on there, other than you'll probably see some sort of a, a celebration on Twitter, and, and you'll see some people tweeting about it. But what you're going to see a lot, and what's going to dominate the soccer news over the next couple weeks, is going to be the finish in the Premier League, because Manchester City yesterday got the word that their ban was lifted, meaning that they will be able to play Champions League football. There were some allegations and reports that they had violated a lot of rules in terms of transfers, financial gain, anything like that, and uh, they stepped out of the boundaries, and um, which means that them placing second means that they can play Champions League football. So what was going to happen was is there was not like fifth place was going to be able to play Champions League football because one of the top four teams, which was going to be Manchester City, was not allowed to play. So now fifth place means that if you get fifth, you're not going to be able to play Champions League football and you're going to be stuck in your Europa League. Europa League is the second tier European competition. It is nowhere near as prestigious as Champions League. And that is the goal for these clubs. So Manchester United, Chelsea, and Leicester are all jockeying for a spot, and only two of them can fit into this top four, and that's what you're going to see over the next couple weeks. And the final game for Manchester United and the final game for Leicester City is played against each other, and both of those teams control their destiny. That'll be the biggest game of the year, and it's going to be huge. So that that is something to look out for, and both all three of those teams are playing really good uh, uh, soccer right now, so that'll be really fun to watch. And... Um, Premier League is physical and, and fast-paced, and it's probably your, the best soccer for an American to watch. Um, so that that is something you should definitely look out for. I mean, what are your predictions? Who do you think is going to finish in the top? United's two games leading up to the Leicester game are pretty much cupcake games. So they play Crystal Palace this Thursday. I expect them to take all three points. While Chelsea plays Wolverhampton Wolves, which is, uh, they're a team that is jockeying for fifth place. So they're right there in the thick of things. So they're a great team. And Chelsea has to play them and the Premier League champions, Liverpool. I see them dropping a point or two there. And then Leicester has to play Manchester United at the end anyway. So, in my opinion, what we're going to see is Chelsea is going to be fifth, and I think it's going to be third place United, fourth place Leicester. Leicester gets into Champions League football. Chelsea is just on the outside looking in, playing Europa League, and that's where I think it's going to end. But anything can happen. The other thing that you got to understand is, is that Manchester United are still in Europa League, so even if they don't get top four, if they win Europa League, you automatically qualify for Champions League. So that competition still still there. So that's soccer interesting interesting so a lot, lot to look forward to over on that side and uh so now we're going to shift to the nhl and uh you know S- steven you were wanting to talk about this too um so the cba came out the nhl actually knows what they're doing uh in terms of labor negotiations baseball should take a hint 
Um, but the NHL, they're really they're they're going to be coming back. Uh, they're playing August first. We have the schedules for the teams. Uh, the camp rosters have been released, uh, even with some surprises. I mean, just for instance, the New York Rangers put Keandre Miller, one of their top defensive prospects, on the roster. Six foot five, absolute tank of a defenseman. He's going to be a big deal. He's not going to play this year, but he's a big deal. The Islanders today uh, officially agreed to terms with their goaltender Ilya Sorokin from Russia. Uh, he's supposed to be the real deal. You know, Igor Shosturkin just came over to the Rangers from Russia. He was supposed to be, be the big deal. It's worked out. And now Sorokin is supposed to be that for the Islanders now. So there have been actually some really cool shocks signings uh, for this little period of time here for the NHL. But the biggest thing really is this CBA that they came to. No more World Cup. That was one of the most ridiculous events ever. Uh, it, it was the NHL's attempt at trying to be the Olympics. It completely failed. I mean, yeah, it was fun to watch, but it just didn't have that same feel or importance. But now the NHL is going to be going back to the Olympics, not just in 2022, but in 2026 as well. Huge deal. I, I think the first thing that I thought about was, what is this Team Canada team going to look like with Connor McDavid, uh, with Sidney Crosby and all these guys? Team Russia is going to be absolutely stacked. Uh, even Team USA, there, there's some young Americans in the NHL that are gaining some stock. So uh, it just makes me really pumped for this this Olympic season coming up in two years. What were your guys' biggest biggest takeaways from the CBA? Yeah, I mean, it, this this saved, uh, not saved the NHL, but this is a big moment for the league to gain really, I mean, they're showing everyone the way. It's what CJ said yesterday in a group chat. You know, NHL's been no nonsense since the whole COVID thing went down and, They've been on a mission to get back. On. We're going to get back to playing. The players have bought in. You know, the NHLPA, the Board of Governors, owners, uh, hats off to them. They've done everything. If the season ends up, you know, not have like it, this the spike happens and nothing ends up happening. The season gets doesn't finish. You know, NHL did everything they possibly could to get the season done. And during all this, they got a CBA to accomplish. And the biggest thing I took away of that was the Olympics. You know, the competition level that we saw last Olympics with, you know, the amateur players, minor league guys going and playing. Great for them to go get an experience and play in the Olympics. They probably never thought that was ever going to happen um, for them, potentially. A lot of guys got an opportunity to play. But I look at this U.S. team that could, you know, we could see in a few years, you know, Patrick Kane, Blake Wheeler, Zach Parise, Johnny Gaudreau, Austin Matthews, T.J. Oshie, you get on the list. I mean, this U.S.A. team could really – have a good shot at winning a gold medal and compete with uh, Russia and, and Canada. They have in the past, but this team could really legitimately take it home. So I'm really excited to see NHL guys back in the Olympics. It's going to be way – the competition level is going to be way more exciting. Guys are into it than the World Cup of Hockey that we saw. Great format. They tried, but just not the same as you know playing for your own country in the Olympics on the biggest stage. Yeah, so – I always I, I found it bizarre that like they took away the Olympics for hockey and, and we were going to some World Cup. What was so good for hockey and the NHL and just hockey around the world was the Olympics and the, those every four years like those countries competing: Finland, Sweden, America, Russia, Canada. Like that was one of my like that like people love like even if you don't like hockey, people love rooting for their country. Regardless, like 
there's people aren't like like I wouldn't say that you guys are soccer guys, but when the U.S. men's national team is in the World Cup, you're glued to the TV and you're watching because like it's I want America to win, and that exposes hockey to people like that that don't normally watch hockey, and that is that I thought was great. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I feel like hockey in general has been pretty much no nonsense. I, I think the NBA has has kind of had a little bit of a headache with uh, a lot of stuff going on. And I think the MLB has just been all over the damn place. But I think NHL, you knew they were going to come back and you knew they were going to start. So, yeah, like Steve said, I was saying the other day, you know, there, there are no nonsense. And I think as, an, uh, you know, as people in America and, and, and people around the world, if you're looking to watch sports, this is a great time to get into hockey. You'll see, a, a, you know, a league that means business and, and guys that just want to go out there and compete for one thing. And that's a trophy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's talk a little bit about those NBA problems, because I've been pretty vocal about it on uh, Twitter, about just the atrocities that the NBA has been putting out there over the last few weeks. Um, There's just been this big controversy surrounding Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, the lead ESPN uh, scooper, I guess you can call him. Um, And he so basically what happened, uh, Senator Josh Howley out of Mississippi released a letter to the NBA saying, if you're going to allow uh, these, you know, messages to be put on jerseys. Why don't you allow players to put on free Hong Kong, support our troops, back the blue. And within two minutes of him sending this email out to the NBA, uh, ESPN insider Adrian Wojnarowski responded with a fuck you uh, to a United States senator over just asking a simple question. And I find it kind of ridiculous, actually, because this is just the NBA's continued attempt to keep up this relationship with China for some reason. You have people literally in concentration camps in China right now. You have people in Hong Kong that if they hold up an American flag, they go to prison for 10 years. You have books in libraries that if they mention the concept of democracy, the books are taken out of libraries. And you have the NBA out there saying, nope, you can't put free Hong Kong out there. These people are begging for American help. They don't have First Amendment rights. They can't protest. They have no rights that we do. And you have LeBron James out here who won't even admit this stuff. He's tweeting out free Woj. LeBron's the biggest fraud in the NBA. All he does is talk out of his paycheck. He will only say something to make money. And it's completely obvious. Why would you not support free Hong Kong but stick up for these social justice things in America, making America look terrible? It's because that's what China wants the NBA to do. They want the NBA to look bad to make China look better. So it was just yesterday, there was a report that came out. You can literally buy a Kill Cops jersey on the NBA website, but you cannot buy a free Hong Kong or support our troops jersey on the NBA website. I just find these things absolutely ludicrous. I can't believe that the NBA is kowtowing to China like this for the big bucks. I mean, actually, I can believe it because they're making tons of money with them. But the the hypocrisy at the highest level is absolutely disgusting to me. You have these terrible things going on in China, literally Muslim concentration camps, the closest thing we've seen to Nazi Germany. And you have Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, saying we have mutual respect for China. How is that even possible? Um, so listen, I'm not saying let NBA players uh, you know, wear the free Hong Kong jersey. No player would anyway, because they'd be slammed. But if you're going to allow certain messages to be put on these jerseys, you kind of have to allow other things to be put on jerseys. I mean, not even support our troops. Are you kidding me? Um, So I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Why is the NBA and ESPN, for that matter, kowtowing to China like this? 
I think that right now in America, if there, there's a fear of the cancel culture, um, people don't really want to say exactly what you know exactly what they believe. And I, you know, I kind of feel for commissioners of sports leagues right now, and and NBA owners, uh, NFL owners, NHL owners, MLB owners, whatever you know it may be, executive GMs. You don't want to say the wrong thing because you're going to risk your career. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like right now the cancel culture as is at a for sure all time high, and. It just is the way it is. Now, do I support the troops that go and fight for my life? Absolutely. I think that if you were to, you know, ask most liberals or Democrats, like, do you support the people that go overseas and fight for your life and and are the first to answer the bell when conflict comes about? They would look at you and say, yes, it's just right now the cool thing to not like cops. It's the cool thing to be anti-government and to be anti-military. It's that's just what is in right now. And do I agree with anything that's going on in China towards people from Hong Kong and the, the roof between mainland China, Hong Kong and whatnot? Absolutely not. These people are, are being treated terribly and they, they don't have the same rights that we do. And it is a little disheartening that, you know, we have, you know, athletes who in their own right are their own social justice leaders. Like no matter even though LeBron James is, is you know, an unbelievable basketball player, he's also a social justice leader in it would be nice if you know they spoke about everything, but right now I can't really go out of my way and fully blame members of the black community that are athletes that aren't spending other time talking about other issues because these people fully believe in their cause right now, and I think that they believe that it's beyond long overdue and they're not going to be – I guess, distracted by other things going on, which honestly do do as you please. Cause I'm not going to sit here and say like what you should fight for and what you shouldn't. So, but I do agree with you. I think it is quite bizarre that we live in a time right now where there's blatantly other social issues out there, but it's all like, Oh, well that's not what I am fighting for right now. So I'm not going to, I guess, move my energy to that yeah i mean you all pretty much wrapped it up uh, for me and said everything uh, all the right things and like cj said we're in a cancel culture right now and if you if you're not with the popular opinion you're not with you know what's what's in you're kind of looked at as like well well fuck you like why aren't you with us if you're not with us you're against us you know this world right now we're, we're fighting you know a lot of things and you know you know coronavirus going on you know you know, and then you have the black lives matter thing going on and people are speaking out about different things and and going back to you know the sports side of it you know like you said why aren't these commissioners you know doing more why is adam silver you know doing you know certain things and you know reaching out like the, addressing the china thing and you know it's like i think they're worried about themselves and you're trying to save their sport right now and not saying anything that's going to you know, blow them up. And I, I agree with it. I think right now they just got to stick to what, what they have and just keep their sport surviving because, you know, right now you can't really, you have no room to make a mistake. And, you know, I look at the Drew Brees thing and he said one, he said what he believed in. Yeah. might've been not the right timing, but he stood up for what, you know, he didn't say anything wrong. He didn't, he didn't pull Deshaun Jackson and quote Hitler. 
And, you know, no one batted an eye on that subject. So, you know, I think everything's going in a million directions, and it's really hard to really pick point and, and dissect everything. It's just I think everyone's just got to get on the same page and just, you know, fight for what's right and just everyone get on the same page and just get along. And now that, that it's hard. It's, it's easier said than done. But, you know, I think these going reverting back to sports is giving people – it's going to give people an outlet here in a couple of weeks, and I think – going to give people some normalcy and i think that's a good thing and we can kind of not now we're not going to turn our eyes to things that are going on in the news but it's going to give us it's going to be a coping mechanism for a lot of people and a little bit of a balance so i i think that you're i think there's only one way to really look at this now and first of all just so everybody knows i go to sports to escape politics okay same i can't stand the fact that in the past couple of years, ever since Colin Kaepernick was kneeling for the anthem, I think that sports got roped into politics. And I and I believe that if it was ESPN's choice, I don't think that they'd be talking about this stuff as much. And I think they got like tied into and roped into woke central and, and having to talk about the news. And yes, we, we, you know we're in a time right now where there's not really any live sports. Uh, like every single day. But the thing is, is there's plenty of sports to talk about. But the thing is, is, is they feel the pressure to talk about this thing, these stu- this, this stuff right now. And Malcolm Jenkins, in, in a terrible way, summed it up perfectly on, on Instagram. For anybody that, that is asking, why is it that you guys don't also have the same energy towards this issue, that issue, and, and, and whatnot? He said, Jewish people, you aren't our problem. And we're not yours. Sorry about the comments. Basically, get over it. Black lives still don't matter in our country. So at that moment, it's that's the only way you can look at it now is they are laser focused on this specific issue, which is Black Lives Matter, which all power to them. I'm never going to take that away from them. And, you know, I, I, I do believe that police brutality is at an all-time high towards towards uh, African Americans, and it's it's totally wrong. But you know, to sit here and, and be frustrated about uh, them not carrying these issues and like athletes not carrying the same energy towards issues, and they're not supporting troops and whatnot. I think that you know what Malcolm Jenkins said is kind of like how it's just going to be for a while. Like they're focused on what they believe in right now, and that's it. Um, but now we have a little bit of baseball stuff and golf stuff to talk about. So baseball. Uh, just came back with some teams playing intra-squad games, which means just, you know, for instance, the Yankees, half of their team is playing the other half of their team. And it's been televised, which for me has been great. Uh, I've gotten to see Garrett Cole absolutely tear through uh, the B lineup for the New York Yankees, which was just music to my ears. And, uh, you know, we've seen some opt-outs as well. I think Steve and I talked about it uh, a few pods ago. Ryan Zimmerman, David Price, Nick Markakis, uh, now Buster Posey. And uh, I will never deny anyone from opting out. You know, if you need to opt out, opt out. Nobody's telling you to play baseball. If you feel like it's a safety risk for yourself, don't play. Um, So I've never had a problem with anyone sitting out. The only ones that I have a problem with sitting out are if you don't really have an issue, if you, you know, if you're a single player and you're scared about the coronavirus, at the end of the day, if you're 54 and under, you have a higher chance of getting struck by lightning than dying of the coronavirus. So if you're a single player living by yourself without a family, without anyone that's immunocompromised or has pre-existing conditions, go and play baseball. Okay, stop whining um, like Blake Snell. Um, so 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited the baseball's back. These intra-squad games have been awesome. And even this weekend, we're going to be getting some spring training games in there as well uh, that will be on TV. Um, but I wanted to ask you this question, Steve, because a lot of the uh, announcers on Yes were talking about this. They're basically saying the pitchers are ready and the hitters are going to be way behind when this season starts. Do you think some of these offensive statistics are going to be really bad for some of these players considering they're really not getting a lot of time to prepare for this? Yeah, it's kind of the aspect of um, of hitting. You need – obviously, you can go and hit up the tee whenever you want. You can go get reps, you know, not being full 95 is. You need someone throwing to you. You need movement. You need different things. As a pitcher, I can go out there and I can throw to a, a square net and, and spot my locations. And pitchers can go out there and throw every day. You need one person you just go throw, get a catcher, throw to whatever. And these hitters, hitting, I think you need to go and get reps every single day. you got to go out there and hit off the tee, get soft toss, live pitching. It's a constant movement. you got you got to keep hitting because you take two days off of hitting, you're going to be off by just a little bit. Pitching, I can go out there and throw every day, every other day, and still be fine. I don't, you don't need to throw every single day. And pitchers are geared to go every fifth day, so they've got that kind of mindset. And so I think they're going to be, I think they're, you're going to see all these pitchers just. I think you're going to see more dominant outings than you are going to see last year of these home run like six, seven homers a game. So it's going to be a complete different dynamic in the fact that these hitters are going to have to adjust real quick especially since it's a 60-game season. You don't have 10, 12 games to figure it out. you got to really get out of the gate and go. And these pitchers, I think, are, are going to be feeding off the fact that these hitters aren't really – they've had such time off, and now they're going to have to get back in and face real pitching and adjust real quick. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Plouffe said on Talking Baseball, he said for him it usually takes 25 at-bats to just kind of get the spin off the pitches, which is like – that's five games. Uh, so you, you really, they, they need to get these reps in. I think really it's a bigger thing because, you know, if stars struggle out the gate, they're going to be in the lineup every day, but these players on the periphery, you know, for example, you call him fluke Shella. If Gio or Shella struggles out of the gate, he's out of the lineup. He's got Miguel and Duhar up his ass who can rake. So do you think some of these guys that are platoon players are going to feel a lot of pressure here to really perform right out of the gate? Yeah, you're going to – I mean, guys that are kind of on the bubble of getting called up, getting sent down, whatever, you know, vice versa, you are you don't have that luxury of 162-game seasons where coaches are like, hey, you know, it's fine. Take this time, this chunk of the season, you're going to figure it out. If you don't figure it out, you know, we're going to we're gonna sit you and we're going to send you down. You have 10 games here where if you're struggling, there, someone's going to get called up. Someone's going to replace you and put you in that spot because – you don't have time to lose five, six games. You lose six games, and that's a huge part of your season where you can't make up ground when you have eight months to figure the whole – your mechanics, your swing, whatever it is in your game to fix. So you're going to see – I think you're going to see a lot of that in these middle-tier clubs. Um, even like the Rays, they, they're they they're keen on switching guys out, different lineups every night. You're not going to see it too much with the Yankees, Dodgers – um, those top end teams, the Astros even, because they just they have too many stars in that lineup that they're not going to struggle very much, um, and they've got guys right behind their stars and and uh, to come in and fill their shoes right away. So even if they're struggling for a couple games, so I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic in this season, and you know it's going to be fun. I think you know you're going to see a lot of guys that you haven't seen on the field and take charge here. 
Yeah, and I've also been seeing, too, uh, a lot of players are taking reps at first base now, uh, which I guess would get them more playing time. For instance, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, you know, he's not a chubby guy, but he's slightly out of shape, I guess you could say. And maybe the Blue Jays are just like, you know, go over to first base. You can get more ABs that way. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more flexibility shown with these players playing multiple positions because if you're struggling out the gate, they're going to need to flip you to another position if they have someone up your ass who's hitting, raking off the bench. Um, So I don't know if you saw these camera angles the other day. Uh, The Milwaukee Brewers released this behind-the-plate view. Uh, It was like behind the – like I think it was literally on the catcher or right behind the catcher, uh, that camera angle. I know, CJ, you've always been talking about stuff that baseball needs to do to – spice up the game do you think they should try out these awesome camera angles like behind the home plate just to give different perspectives um yeah i mean i i think what they what they could do is i i I think from the actual game standpoint i don't think you can really like do anything to it I was a little what what do they do with the playoffs i mean not the playoffs the uh extra innings thing again what was that yeah, so right now they're saying uh, it's going to – what is it called, Stephen? The Texas uh... – We used to call it the Texas tiebreaker. You get a – so if it's like the extra innings, I think you play two extra like, – like if you go to extras, you play a couple innings straight up, and I think after the 12th inning, they put a runner on second base. You put a runner on second base with one out. Um, both teams get a chance at it. Or two outs. On second base, you get a base hit, they score, it's over. So it, it's in essence to, to make the game quicker and end it, uh, not make these you know, 18, 19, 20 inning games happen. Well, for me, I thought that extra innings baseball was the best part of watching a baseball game, especially as a right. neutral. Like if I watched a random game on a Thursday night and it was a West Coast game and I couldn't fall asleep, I threw on MLB Network or something and they tuned into the extra innings game and that was like, okay, let's see who's going to win. And for someone who enjoys dabbling in sports betting, I loved those live bets for extra innings. It, it kept me on the edge of my seat, and that was the baseball I loved. So I don't know why they were going to change that or have or whatever it is. But, yeah, I think some cool camera angles here and there would, would be nice. Maybe some more uh, in-game little interviews with players when they're in the dugout, like, like yeah. you know, post-home run, be like, you know, what did you see on that pitch or whatever whatever it is. So, like, I like that kind of stuff. Um, but – this is a stressful time for me because baseball coming around. I, I am very bad at analyzing a baseball game. And, and like 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 before it, it hits, like if I'm going to put in a bet, if you will. So this brings me to the worst time of my life every year. The first inning no score that Steven knows about. Well, no, last summer, yep. That lost so much money off that. Don't never again. Get hooked. <laughs> Win three innings and then I'm gonna win every inning. Yeah, and I'm getting and next shot. thing you know, you nope. lost five. I'll never forget. Uh, I was watching a baseball game and, and I, it was like Zach Greinke versus Kershaw or something like that, and, and it was just two studs on the mound. And I'm like, first inning no score, absolutely. They're gonna blank all three, like right up at right off the bat or, or anything. There might be a single. We get to the bottom of the first, two outs, no one on. Uh, uh, Zach Greinke is, is pitching his 0-2 count, and just this guy like just rips this bullshit home run. And I'm listening there, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I just almost got out of this. Ugh. But, 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to do a little bit more uh, on the podcast with some uh, like sports betting. It's becoming a much more normalized thing. Uh, Fox Sports has their own lock it in segments. And so ESPN dabbles in it as well. So, um, yeah, it would definitely be cool if we could all, you know, collab on a few plays to give out to listeners and, and you know, to for me, because God only knows if, if you give me the phone and baseball's on, I'm uh, I'm a surefire. You need to fade me. <laughs> so. Yeah, man, like but we're if you guys are, you know, thinking about, you know, how we've been producing content throughout this whole quarantine, we're we're about done with it. You know, like we're we're kind of like get us these games because that's when we can really start getting these pods you know, way more entertaining, talking about betting, talking about actual games instead of all these varying issues. Um, so we can't wait for sports to come back. I mean, baseball now uh, is next week, next Thursday, or maybe next Wednesday. It's July 23rd, whatever day that is. We're getting games back. So we can't wait for that stuff. And uh, one more thing before we go, I know you guys wanted to talk about a little bit about golf um, because that's one of the sports that's actually still been on uh, throughout all this. I know I've talked about how amazing I am at golf in my two times that I've went. And, uh, you know, I've, I've shopped better than both of you both times. But, you know, have you guys been watching golf so far? How, how have you guys been liking it? I'm a big fan as I grow up more and more of watching live golf. I love it. It's even better when you when you have a horse in the race and you put, you know, like last like two weekends ago, I had put ten dollars on Bryson DeChambeau, like plus seven hundred, I think it was. So ten dollars to win champ. 70 as long uh, yeah, as long as he, um, you know, won. So, of course, I was glued to the TV on the final round on Sunday. Uh, and he ended up going off, and, and he was birdieing left and right. He had a great tournament. And then the following weekend, I had put uh, – this past weekend, I put $10 on Justin Thomas, $10 to win 95 or 90 whichever it was. Uh, and he had three strokes uh, of a lead going into the eight – like the last three holes, completely blew it. And it went into a playoff, and that's exciting. Like golf is great. Like like, there are so many good personalities in golf right now, and good players that you know, like not super long ago, but you know, or you know, when Tiger Woods was really hitting his stride, like in his earlier in his career, it was really only a few golfers that people could really name. Now you look at the field, there are some interesting, cool personalities. So, you know, guys are starting to come to the come to the tour like fit too. like you see guys like 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 bulking up and, and they're hitting, you know, you got guys like Victor Hovland just came out of Oklahoma State and he's hitting like his average drive this last week was like 310 yards. Like, you know, it, it's it's awesome. It's great to see, you know, the fashion on the golf course, too, is picking up. You know, you got guys wearing cool stuff out there. And I, I, you know, I think right now with not with not many sports going on, this is a great time for people to get into the PGA Tour and get into golf, get a guy that they like and they root for every weekend. You know, it, it, I'm a big fan of it. So, yeah, always been a big fan of golf. I mean, I've been playing for years now, and it's just it's a fun game to pick up. I mean, it's, you can you you only need yourself and your set of clubs and go and play, but. Back to the tournament this past weekend. It was exciting. The playoff in the playoff, CJ, you remember Justin Thomas nails a 50-foot putt, and then Colin goes and hits a 30-foot putt, and then they go to the next hole. I'm like, he nails a literally this thing is going down. At least the the make percentage on that hole on that putt was a two percent chance. Yep, he nails it. He's going crazy, and then he and the other guy, more Cowley's like, all right, I'll make it. 35-foot putt, boom, and they go to the next hole. I'm like, this is insane. Keep in mind, it's not on TV. 
I had to watch it on my phone. And so that's another thing. They P, PGA wants to grow the golf game, but in quarantine right now, I've seen tournaments on a Sunday. People aren't watching. It's not on. It's not there. And people are like, why isn't it there? I want to watch this. This is exciting. So people are wanting to get in the game of golf. It's great. And this sport's growing at a rapid rate. And these guys are also getting, you know, sponsorships. For, you know, Brooks Koepka sponsored by Meek Ultra. You know, you've got young personalities. Like CJ said, it's it's getting fun. And, and people are enjoying it. I've seen more and more people going to these smaller tournaments, too. And who, who doesn't want to go out and watch golf and just, you know, hang out on one hole and drink beer all day and just kind of hang out with some friends. So it's it's a great game, great dynamic. And people are really starting to, to buy into it, I think. And I'm telling you, too, like, you know, all joking aside, I mean, the two times that I played it, like, I always had an appreciation for golf, but after playing, it's just, like, doubled. The, you know, the, the, the accuracy that you have to have, you know, the, the, the swing paths, the, you know, the, the, the methods of putting, uh, everything about golf is just so precise, and it's re- there's really no other sport like it where, you, you know, you have to be so perfect in your game. And, uh, you know, my appreciation for it just doubled. Uh, since I started playing, and I, I will get better at some point. But uh, yeah, that, that'll do it for this pod. We just hit the hour mark. Uh, we talked about FAU and Shador Sanders and Alexis Leroy. Uh, we talked about college football shifting conferences and stuff, NBA, NHL. Um, so this will be on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, a bunch of others as well. Um, if there's any other news this week, we might come back with a pod this week, but most likely we'll just do another one next Tuesday uh, in preparation for MLB opening day, uh, which is we got games back next week. Finally, we're going to have stuff to talk about. And again, Jensen Jennings, uh, sports editor of the UP, he will be on to talk about his realignment article. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun as well. And follow us on Twitter at Strict Sports FAU. For CJ and Steven, I'm Jacob Brown, and we'll see you next time.